Welcome everyone to the Never Say Die podcast. I'm your host, TJ, and with me again, as always, is our NHL analyst and expert, the grumpy old man. They say there's no shame in his game because he's always the same. That's me. Now, grumpy um, hasn't been as crazy of a week this week for the Islanders as last week was, but how have you been? I've been fine, thank you. How about yourself? Uh, you know, I can't complain. I can't complain. You actually did have some interesting topics you wanted to introduce to this week's podcast, and I'll go ahead and let you take the floor. That's because the grumpy old man is always has his finger on the pulse of the NHL and the New York Islanders. But, you know, I just last week we spoke uh, pretty much at length about uh, Ilya Sorokin. And, you know, but then I started giving it some more thought during this week. You know, I had a lot of time on my hands. I'm like, hey, you know what? Let's. Let's think about what else about Ilya Sorokin. And I was saying to myself, gosh, do you think that he's going to play any time in the AHL uh, to get ready for the NHL? Or you think he's just going to jump right into the roster? And then I started thinking, well, are there any comparisons? And then I was thinking about the Rangers to Sturkin. And he wound up playing uh, 25 games in the AHL to start the season before moving up to the big team. And I think actually that's a pretty good comp for Sorokin. Um, so it kind of leads me to a couple of questions. Uh, do you think he's, and I'm going to ask you the questions. Do you think he's going to start right away with the Islanders or do you think he's going to get AHL time? And if he does start in the AHL, what are the Islanders going to do for a short term stopgap? Like I guess an older veteran to bring in until he, uh, gets himself acclimated to the NHL game. That's actually an interesting thought. I hadn't really thought of until you posed it, grumpy old man. Um, I want to say I think Sorokin's going to play 30-some-odd games in the NHL next season. As to whether he starts the year up with the New York Islanders or if he starts here in Bridgeport, I'm not sure, to be honest. Um, He could definitely benefit from consistent playing time, that's for sure, and kind of learning how the Islanders' system affects, you know, where the puck is going to be funneled to, what type of shots he should be expecting, where, you know, he should be looking in certain scenarios, and, you know, what the defense is going to go ahead and try to put an act to prevent these high-scoring opportunities coming his way. I think that is an interesting thought, and Shesterkin is a good comparison. I mean, they're relatively, I think, the same exact age. Um, you know, they, they both came over from Russia and the funny thing is I know Sorokin said, I believe Shesterkin was the reason why, you know, a big driving force of him coming to the New York Islanders. So I, I think the Islanders might actually start him off in the AHL and I don't think it's going to be 30 games. If they do start Sorokin off in the A at Bridgeport, I think it's more going to be a 10, 15 game time period. Uh, long enough to where they don't have to go ahead and acquire a different goalie to perform as a backup during that time period in the offseason. I think they would more try to go with an in-house option like a Chris Gibson or a guy who can maybe start three or four games over that time period, but where Varlamov can go ahead and carry the load. And once Sorokin gets a little comfortable down there in Bridgeport, I think then he works his way to the Islanders roster and gets slowly immersed and becomes the starting goaltender over an extended time period. Yeah, I find that interesting. Um you know, one thing we've learned from Lou Lamarillo and Barry Trotz is they're not going to rush anybody up to the NHL. Uh, I could see him. I see him definitely starting now that I think about it in the AHL. Um, I'm of a different bent from you, though. I think they they would go out and sign a cheap veteran replacement as opposed to uh, somebody else who's like a Chris Gibson. Um 
uh, I just I just think that's what they're going to do. I mean, well, my question for you, real, I think it's going to be somebody really cheap, a cheap veteran. So my they, question, my ahead. question for you, grumpy old man, is if they do go out and sign a cheap veteran, then what does the pitcher look like when Sorokin is ready? Do you just go ahead and essentially wave that cheap veteran? You go ahead and call him down to Bridgeport and just hope he doesn't go ahead and get claimed? Yes, that's that's what I think they'll do. I mean, I, I'm talking about cheap veterans. You're talking about close to league minimum. Yeah, like a million, million and a half a year, whatever, something like that. Okay. Um, uh, you know, and then you look at some of the guys who are free agents. You know, I think Brian Elliott's a free agent. I mean, here's the thing. You're going to be scraping the bottom. They're not going to be able to get Thomas Grice back. Uh, no, that, absolutely that. not. And I don't blame him. I wouldn't buy in on that either if I was him. Uh, but, you know, there's, there's some guys out there that potentially uh, could be – someone that uh, we would take a look at. Like you look at uh, uh, Kincaid, who used to play for the Devils, and this year he's been with Montreal, but I believe he was sent down to the AHL uh, pretty early on, didn't play a whole lot. His numbers weren't good. Um, and then, like I said, maybe somebody like Brian Elliott, who's certainly, you know, uh, he's not going to be had – He's had significant starting time. He's had significant starting experience in the past – and he's a guy where if you know you feel like maybe Varlamov gets banged up for a certain time period, you can rely upon him to kind of tote the ship until you feel like Sorokin's ready. Yeah, I think he's on certainly on the back end of his career. Um, and, you know, but the whole thing is you're just looking at somebody to come in for Sorokin. And I just find it interesting. You say, you know, Sorokin plays 30 games. Then you would have to say Volomov would play 50. You realize the Islanders haven't had a goalie who's played 50 games in the season since Rick DiPietro. So, well, I, the reason I said Sorokin would play 30 games or thereabout is because if he's going to, you know, in this ideal scenario, he starts off in Bridgeport, gets acclimated for 10, maybe 15 games. Those are 10, 15 games he can't even play. And, you know, maybe, you know, the guy in your scenario, whether it be, uh, the outside goalie who can kind of go ahead and just fill the gap for a few games, or even, you know, possibly if we want to go the cheap route, you go ahead and bring up a guy like Chris Gibson to go ahead and support Varlamov as a backup option. They could go ahead and possibly get a few starts in there as well. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I just, I'm just, I'm just wondering what they're going to do. And like I said, I just thought about it this week. I'm like, Oh, you know what? They never start rookies. Uh, they always let them play down there. I think that, uh, 10 to 15 games and having them being the NHL. I think that's, um, uh, I, I don't think, I think he's going to be down there longer. I think that's a real aggressive timetable to get him up to the NHL. I think you're going to see a lot like Sisterkin, 25 games down in the A. And you're right. He'll, he'll play out of 25 games. He'll probably play 20. I just think him getting acclimated to the uh, bigger ice, uh, to the, to the smaller ice surface and just the, uh, you know, the North American style of play is going to take a little while. It's a change of pace and it's a change of environment for sure. I, that's why I, I do agree. Originally, I was thinking about it I'm like, oh, terrific. He can start up in the NHL immediately. He'll be ready to go. He'll be, you know, taking over the starting reins in no time at all. But you're right. Since you did bring that up, now they think a little bit more in depth on it. The Islanders are always very cautious when they go ahead and bring and integrate young guys into the roster. And especially a goalie coming over from the KHL, where, again, larger ice surface, different style of game, not as physical. I could definitely see them giving him a little bit of time in Bridgeport to get acclimated. 
I don't, I hope and pray to God it's not going to be 25 to 30 games. I, again, I don't know how long of a timetable it will be, but if you want to see Islander fans get irate, if our goaltending looks like it's, you know, on the mend and, and, and not looking, you know, you know, up to snuff, you're going to see a lot of fans upset that Sorokin is learning the nuances of the NHL style game down there in the AHL instead of actually contributing to the team and learning on the fly. Yeah, you know what? That doesn't bother me if the fans get upset, honestly. This kid is, you know, hopefully he's our first franchise goaltender in eons. I don't consider Rick DiPietro a franchise goaltender. I want to say maybe since, gosh, Billy Smith. I mean, really, if you think about it, um, we've never been really – It's never we've never had stellar goaltending here, you know, for long periods of time. We traded away Luongo, which was a catastrophic blunder by Milbury. Um, he could have been here forever. But like I said, I just – I don't want to rush this kid. He's the one guy I don't want to rush this prospect. Let him get his feet wet, whether it's 25, 30. I mean, Sesterkin had – absolutely sensational numbers in the A before he came up. So, you know, that's, you know, that has something to do with it also. Um, but that's, that's like, I said, that's just the way that I'm leaning right there. I just, I, I just don't feel, I mean, you look at Sesterkin's numbers in the 25 games that he played in the, I mean, he was absolutely sensational for them. So, you know, I'd like to see that same level of improvement and uh, the same path that we take with Sorokin, honestly. Well, in an ideal scenario, hopefully we are able to go ahead and resume play at some point in time this season. And maybe the A is able to go ahead and also resume play. And if that's the case, then you see Sorokin get his chance to get acclimated with the remainder of the season down there in the A. So hopefully next season, you know, he if he does have to spend any time there in Bridgeport, it's a very, very abbreviated time period. Or maybe he'll be able to get comfortable in the shortened time period remaining in the, in the rest of the season if they do continue to play in the NHL and the AHL. Yeah, I just I don't think that we have any. Um, I, I don't even know when he. I mean, he, I don't even think he can sign a contract until June. So, uh, I mean, I'm not sure when. I don't. I'm not sure when Sorokin can actually sign. May first. May first. Okay. His contract ends April 30th with his KHL team, I believe. So May first, he can sign with the Islanders. I mm-hmm. believe. I'll look it up, but I believe it's May first. Okay. So when they do resume play. He ideally would be a part of the Islanders organization, so he would be able to get some time down there in Bridgeport. So if they do resume play this season, and if the AHL also resumes play, I think hopefully he's able to get his feet wet and get a little acclimated to the NHL-style game, you know, that North American style of hockey. Yeah, I just don't know if logistically that's going to work. Okay, I just finished the season here. I don't even know what's going on in Russia. To be honest with you, I'm assuming they're. I don't. I don't know if they're playing hockey. Now I'm assuming they're not. I don't know. Um, but you know, him having to move over here and uh, get all that stuff done, I, I just don't know if that works. I I almost think that they're going to start afresh with him starting next year, as opposed to trying to jam him into some games in abbreviated schedule now. I I, just, I, I, don't I hope. I hope not, Grumpy, because they're when they go ahead and resume back to hockey, they're going to have a you know training or a, a spring training s type period where they're going to allow them to get some practice in maybe a few preseason type of 
type of scenarios where they have some exhibition games so people are able to get back up to snuff. And I think that's a good time for him to also build connections with the Islanders. Um, but you talked about Sisterkin's numbers in the AHL. You're right. They were outstanding. A 9-3-4 save percentage and a 1-9-0 goals against average. Um, obviously, if we see numbers like that out of Sorokin, that would be extremely encouraging to expect his success in the KHL to carry over to the Islanders. Yeah. I I mean, that's what we're hoping for. All right. Let's let's be honest. That's where we have not, like I said, a, a true number one goalie, a guy that you can ride. We haven't had anyone like that in a long, long time. And it's it would be nice to see uh Sorokin be that guy, honestly. I mean, I think that's what every Islander fan is hoping from. But I would not rush him into the NHL. I definitely wouldn't do that. I don't care what fans think. I would not rush him into the NHL until he's ready to step up and, you know, at least do 50-50 duty with whoever, uh, with Varlamov, honestly. So, yeah. I mean, we have to sign a stopgap. We have to sign a stopgap. I don't think Chris Gibson is that guy. Um, I think we'd go outside and get a veteran. Um, and one thing is, as the as uh, Lamarillo always says, you know, the NHL is not the training ground. It's, you know, they want everyone to be ready when they come in to play in the NHL. Yeah, and I, I think he's definitely going to serve some time in Bridgeport in some capacity. I just think the ideal scenario is he comes over from Russia and he rejo- and he joins up with the team whenever, you know, I don't know if there's travel bans going on there. I'm not necessarily sure. I'm not up to date with, you know, how coronavirus has affected international flight from Russia to the United States. But as soon as he can get over to the Islanders organization, I think it benefits him to be over here, to go ahead and train with the team, to serve some time down there in Bridgeport before next season. I think that's an ideal scenario. Um, and I know you talked to the, to me about this off air, but there's been some news about next year's projected salary cap. And yep. I know we had originally projected it uh, even a few, I guess it was a little close to over a month ago. They expected anywhere from three to five million dollars raise in the NHL salary cap, which obviously was great news. But as of right now, grumpy old man, that doesn't look to be the case as per recent reports. Yeah, um, on April seventeenth, Andy Strickland, uh, who is a he's a ringside reporter for Fox Sports Midwest and uh, does a uh, a podcast, Cam and Strick podcast for. Uh, 590 The Fan, um, uh, KFNS Radio. Uh, he reported that the players were told on a recent call that the salary cap was going to stay flat at 81.5 for next season. And that is not a surprise to me since the NHL derives most of the month, not most, but a higher percentage than any other sports league from ticket sales. And that is really going to affect their bottom line. And it is affecting their bottom line. So I think that is a negative, uh, something negative for the Islanders going into the offseason, honestly. And now they're going to have to definitely make some moves to make sure they have enough money that they can sign back their restricted free agents and then try to do something else to bring in other players to freshen up the roster for next year. Yeah, we talked about it. I mean, if the salary cap didn't increase, and even if it did increase, we were still going to be really hamstrung as to what we had to do in order to get our big guy signed. And again, just to give a recap, we have to go ahead and re-sign Ryan Pulak, Devon Taves, E. Sorokin, and Matt Barzal. 
and we would have projected a little over $11 million in cap space, which isn't all that all that much. And if the cap doesn't increase, that obviously hurts us because that $11 million stays the same. And those are four very, very important pieces of our team and organization. And you know we're definitely going to have to make some moves to ensure that we're able to sign those guys. You're right, grumpy old man, that the NHL, as we've mentioned before, is a league that is driven on ticket sales. They don't have a big media deal like the other few big sports, like basketball, baseball, and football. So they don't get a lot from TV deals. Unfortunately, it's all really based on ticket sales. And if they do resume play, I don't know if they'll have a regular season, they'll play the remainder of that, or if they're just going to go into a abbreviated or a rare type of unique playoff situation. But if they do, they're still not going to be able to have fans in those stands. And for an organization that makes the majority of their money off of ticket sales, that's seriously going to hurt the bottom line. You're 100% right. And that does not bode well for the Islanders, especially looking at how their team is composed and what they need to do this offseason. Yeah, we're looking at, um, I mean, let's be honest, we have to be looking at at least $20 million for those four players. Um, and we have $10.1 million in cap space. So we're going to have to make some moves without a doubt. I mean, then you wonder, are we going to use, are they going to have some type of amnesty buyout that they're going to do? Uh, you know, who would be the, our prime candidates to try to buy out, uh, you know, to get on, you know, to get some money. And I got to think that one guy definitely, I mean, Andrew Ladd has to be somebody that you would buy out. I don't see any other way around it, honestly. Um Here's my question for you, Grumpy. I think the last time I looked up Andrew Ladd's buyout clause, it really didn't save the Islanders that much money in cap space. Is that true or has that changed? Well, I think it was true going into last year, but I think it's a little bit different now. But what I'm talking about, the what the NHL might do is uh, have like an amnesty buyout, which they did when this when the first when this last collective bargaining agreement. Uh, came in where you were just able to buy players out to get underneath the cap when they started, you know, having the hard cap. And I don't know under these situations that they might actually do that again, that you were able to buy out two players. And if they did something like that, I mean, there's certainly two players on our roster that I think we could buy out that would free up that cash for us. And I know it kind of ran you off. I know you mentioned Andrew Ladd, but who else would be the second player in your opinion at this time period? I mean, I hate to say it, but maybe Johnny Boychuk. He's his cap hit is six million par for another two years after this. Um, you know, and he's a guy again who's who's an older defenseman. He's thirty six years old at this time period. And Andrew Ladd is also an older winger who doesn't really actually contribute to the NHL team, but a few games here or there sprinkled in. Yeah, I mean that's you know, five and a half and six million, that's eleven and a half million dollars right there. And that gives you enough money to sign your restricted free agents. You would still have to make some other moves if you want to bring new players in. Uh, but at least it would guarantee that you uh, that you could sign your own restricted free agents. And I have to assume that all three of those guys plus Sorokin are all going to be with the Islanders next year. Yeah, and they're going to cost a pretty penny. Uh, you've been seeing projections of, oh, maybe Matt Barzal is going to make this much and maybe Pulak can make this much and Devontae is, you know, X amount and Sorokin this amount. I think you are going to see those guys are going to get paid. Uh, and, you know, to play devil's advocate, though, 
maybe this time period of the coronavirus and the cap not expanding might actually be able to allow the Islanders to get them on a little bit more of a sweetheart S type deal. Um, again, I'm not sure what's going to happen, but you have to figure Matt Barzal is going to command a significant amount of that of that salary cap. I mean, he's the best player on the team by a significant margin, and he honestly deserves to be paid like that best player on the team as well. Well, you're lo- you're probably looking for those three guys and Sorokin, twenty million. I, I would say maybe twenty million. I mean, you and if you are, they get the amnesty buyouts for uh, Lad and Boychuk. That would give us like twenty one and a half million. But that that is a big if for those amnesty buyouts. We have no idea at all what they're going to do because the collective bargaining agreement ends September in twenty twenty. So you want to talk about it? This is a terrible time for the collective bargaining agreement to end. Also, the the not the Islanders, but the NHL has definitely had issues before signing those collective bargaining agreements. They've had you know those abbreviated seasons. They've had the lockout before, and this ending on a year where you're not going to be able to put fans in the stadium for or for in the arena for 20 games of the regular season in playoffs. That's hugely going to impact, I believe, the collective bargaining agreement. I want to say, you know, it could possibly lead to definitely some disagreements and maybe, again, a, a temporary lockout of some variety. The NHL has definitely been known to go ahead and hold their ground. The Players Association doesn't get paid the way it does compared to the other big sports. But again, you know they don't make as much just because they don't have those big TV deals. Yeah, well, the I think the NHL union is not as strong as some of the other. Uh, certainly not as strong as Major League Baseball. That's the strongest sports union union that there is. Uh, they win every time. The, the NHL players usually lose every time. So do the NFL. Um, NBA seems like they do okay for themselves, but uh, for certain. Major League Baseball is the Mac Daddy when it comes to uh, sports unions. Um, the NHL and the NFL, they always wind up caving to what the owners want. But, I mean, that's what I'm saying. If there's a new collective bargaining agreement, I think you are going to maybe be able to see that they're going to let some amnesties, particularly with what's going on with the coronavirus and the way it's affecting the way that sports teams do business. Uh, I think maybe you'll get to see them have amnesty buyouts where you can just do one-time buyouts of players where it's not going to count against the cap. And if that's the case, those would be those would be the two guys I'd get rid of right away because it gives you 20, you know, it would that's fit almost $11 million in cap space that you can, or at 11.5, that you can add right on to your bottom line. Um, well, and here's my next question for you, grumpy old man. If these amnesty buyouts, and let's say there is no cap on how many people you can go ahead and buy out because of the situation we're in right now, how many other players would you go ahead and think that the Islanders would be a candidate for, for doing an amnesty buyout towards? Well, I think there's going to be a limit on that. I think it would be two like they had previously um, when they implemented the cap. Uh, but what other guys would I say are eligible for buyouts? Leo Komarov, um, Anders Lee. Okay, well, that's that's just not realistic. I think Leo Komarov is realistic, but they're not going to buy out Anders Lee. Right, but honestly, he's a guy who is he going to I, – I know they're not going to buy out Anders Lee. I know they're not. But if you're asking me if I want a guy who's going to be 36 years old with diminishing returns, uh, you know, you have another six years on his deal and he's 30 now, 
what's he going to look like in six years? I, I thought it was a terrible deal they signed him to, but that's the type of guy that I would get off my cap. The Islanders need to get younger. I mean, those are just facts. Well, yeah, I, I, I do think with Andrews Lee again, it's just not realistic. It's not going to happen. I don't agree with the signing just like you do, but again, that feels like you know we're we're revving the tires on something that is not, not going to change anytime soon. I think Komarov is really the only other guy. If, if for some odd reason, you know, with COVID-19 and the effects, and if they want to keep the cap flat, like, you know, has been reported by Strickland, uh, what he's been told by players, maybe they go ahead and expand that, you know, amnesty buyout to three players. I'm not sure. I could see Leo Komarov being one of those guys that's a candidate for a buyout. He's a guy who, again, is a bottom six guy. He makes quite a substantial amount of money. And for a, an extended time period this year, even after he was hurt, he was a healthy scratch. And you wonder if, you know, that's worth keeping on a, um, a contract on, you know, the payroll. But I think something interesting to think about is Lou Lamarillo's connection with Zach Parisi. You have to figure Parisi would be one of those buyout candidates as well for the, um, for the Minnesota wild. And I think that Lou Lamarillo would target Zach Parisi in free agency. If he was an amnesty buyout candidate by the Minnesota wild. Yeah, like I said, but that's just it. I mean, I'm not disagreeing with you, but it's idiotic to bring in a 35 year old who knows how much he'd have to pay him. I just, I just don't believe in playing older players. Uh, you know, maybe another guy. And here's the thing: I'm just throwing names out there because there's probably only going to be two, and I think they're the biggest options. But what about Josh Bailey and Jordan Everly? I mean, they both make five million further. In Grumpy. Let's be realistic, man. They just signed Jordan Eberle this last offseason, and they signed Josh Bailey last year. They're not going to go ahead and use them as AMC buyout. I just right. don't think it's realistic to entertain those ideas. I yeah. think with your first assessment, Johnny Boychuk, absolutely. I think he's definitely a candidate for that AMC buyout. And Andrew Ladd, 110%. The only guy maybe else I could see is Leo. I just don't think guys they signed last offseason are even in the lexicon of a possibility of being an AMC buyout candidate. Well, I just I just did it based on the question that you posed of let's say there's more than two. And that's that's why I was throwing up those names. Here's the thing. Okay. It's not going to be more than two. They're not going to let you buy out your whole team. And I, I didn't think they would. I just wasn't sure if they'd extend it maybe to three no, just because of the situation be, we're in. It'll be two. And honestly, those those are two easy ones for the Islanders to make. And I think they're the two most clear decisions for them to make too. Especially, yeah. I think they're not only the most clear. I think they're they're probably the fan favorites for that candidate, and they also make the most sense for the actual organization. So, I mean, it, it makes sense in all different spectrums yeah. for having you know Johnny Boychuk and Andrew Ladd being those can candidates for the NBC buyout. Yeah, well, like I said, I was just answering you when you opened up your broad-based question. I should have been a lot more specific because I'm you hearing you rattle off these names, and I'm like, this doesn't even make sense, Grumpy, to me right now. Like, they're not going to buy somebody out. They just went ahead to sign last offseason. Okay. Oh, Grumpy, okay. I, we, were definitely, we were definitely on different wavelengths there for a second. Okay, I'm just going to – the players that get bought out are older players with long-term and big contracts. Those are the type of guys you want who don't produce to earn that contract. And those are those are the just the guys that just off the top of my head are the least productive based on what they get paid and, and their term. I know that they're not all going to get amnesty buyouts, uh, and there's only going to be a couple. They're not going to say you can buy out the whole team. Um, so yeah, that's that's just we'll just we'll just leave it there. Is that your question was idiotic, 
and I answered it, and then you attacked me for it after you know you gave me such a broad spectrum. My question, question was broad, and then you started hitting me, and I was like, "Oh, we're about to go down that rabbit hole, Grumpy." We almost avoided it for an entire podcast, and I opened it up, and I was like, "Oh gosh!" But the reason I brought up Zach Parisi's name is I think he's definitely a candidate, a candidate for one of those fantasy buyouts from the Minnesota Wild. Um, his point production. It's been fairly consistent. I mean, he's still around the 40 to 60 plus points a season type of candidate player. Um, I'm not sure exactly what it would take to bring him to the Islanders and what type of term we'd have to give him to go ahead and get him a sign. But if we were able to, to go ahead and, and to get him into the Islanders in some capacity, I think that does definitely help us out short term because there's no doubt about it. He still is a sniper and he's still an offensive playmaker, even, even despite his advanced age. Why would you want a 35 – add another 30 oh, – mid-30-year-old player to this team? If you can get him for a one- or two-year deal, you would be opposed to bringing in Zach Parisi on a cheap maybe $3, 4000000 million deal? Why not use that on a younger player? Use it on somebody who's going to be part of the future of the team. We're not winning the Stanley Cup in the next year or two. What younger player would you ideally like to use that on? I don't – I mean, there's other, there's other ways. Uh, Zach Parisi is not the savior of this franchise. I don't think he is either, but I think he does provide a little bit of offensive creativity. I think he helps out. I think he helps us out in the power play also. I mean, our power play is inept. We don't have that high caliber offensive talent. I don't think Farisi is end all be all. I just thought short term, if we can get him maybe on a year, a two year type deal, and you know the cap hit isn't all that large, I think it does help us out short term. If you could sign him to a Derek Brassard type one year deal, I wouldn't be opposed to it. Other than that, I don't want him. I don't want older. I don't want us signing more older players. That's why we're. That's why we're in the situation we're in right now. Is because we sign older players to to dollar, big dollar amount deals for term. It's it's a mistake. I mean, how many times do we have to see it before you say, you know what, that's a mistake. I mean, I think. And here's the thing: to make the team better, you're going to have to trade some people off this team. Nick Letty perhaps is going to have to get moved off this team. I, I mean, agree. Nick Letty might. Might very well have to be moved off this team. I mean, and you know, that's if you want to make your team better. I mean, if you're going to bring back the same players as last year and the year before, you're not going to win a Stanley Cup. You're not going to compete for a Stanley Cup. You're just not. We need an infusion of young talent. And if it means we have to bite the bullet and get rid of some of these veterans, we just have to do it. The the reason I'm bringing up Zach Parisi is I think he is the most likely candidate for us to target somebody in this year's offseason. Just because Lou Lamarillo was very interested in trading for him at the trade deadline, a deal that involved Parisi not only, but also Andrew Ladd returning back to the Minnesota Wild. And it was kind of, you know, a time period for the Minnesota Wild to dump a little bit of cap on the Islanders. So they were able to get rid of that big deal from Zach Parisi and the Islanders to bring in a more productive player than Andrew Ladd. So that's the reason I'm bringing up Zach Parisi. Again, I don't think he's end all be all. I don't think he's a savior of the team. I just think he is a a likely candidate for Lou Lamarillo to target if he is an amnesty buyout. Yeah. Like I said, the only way I would bring in a Zach Parisi is on a one year, one and a half million per, you know, that's fine. I, I don't, I don't want to pay an older player, a guy who's 35, going to be 36 years old, any type of big money. I just, well, I just don't want to do it. He's definitely going to get more than one and a half million. I think more reasonable would be a one, maybe two year deal with tied to three to four million dollars worth of cap. Yeah. Well, we don't have that money right now. So I'd say. You're right. 
as of right now, looking at it, we don't have that money. But I again, even with these amnesty buyouts, the Islanders, you know, possibly could make with the collective bargaining agreement coming up. I think it's they're also going to have to be creative and make some other moves because long term, they definitely do need to mix some things up. I think Zach Parisi would go ahead and help short term with some offensive production. Um, but again, it, it doesn't address the issue, the real issue with the older nucleus of this team. But I just thought it was an interesting thought process. And I think, you know, if these amnesty buyouts do come through in the collective bargaining agreement, that that would be a candidate that Lou Lamarillo would probably highly target this offseason. Would you agree? Um, you know what? I think in the at the trade deadline, I think he has a, a soft spot in his heart for Parise since it's somebody that he drafted with the Devils. Uh, and it, I think it was a trying to be creative in how to get Andrew Ladd off of your team who wasn't going to contribute anything and bring in Parise. Uh, I don't know if, uh, like I said, I don't know what Lamorello's thinking is, but any, any deal where you have to pay a 35 year old player three, $4 million a year, that, that just doesn't work for me. That's just me. It doesn't work for me. We're not close to winning a Stanley cup. And that is not the direction we need to go in even though that's the direction we've been going and that's it's not conducive to winning Stanley cups. I will say it's funny to think that Lou Lamarillo has that soft spot in his heart for Zach Parisi, considering he let him walk from the New Jersey devils back in the day to the Minnesota wild. But I think you're right. I think he does have that soft spot for Zach Parisi and he was trying to get creative and try to find a way to get Andrew Ladd who wasn't contributing at all to the team off the books and, and to bring back a guy who had some familiarity with. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I feel that way also. I just, uh, I just, I mean, I didn't even think the deal was good when they were talking about the deadline. I'm like, my gosh, he has this many years at this much cap left. I'm like, why would you do that? It just made no sense to me then just to get rid of Andrew Ladd. Just buy him out. I mean, you know, bite the bullet, buy him out. Well, Andrew Ladd, and that's, that's what I was talking about earlier, Grumpy Old Man. If they didn't have the amnesty buyout, Andrew Ladd, you only save, I think it's like a half a million worth of cap space his entire time period if you buy him out. So even though he wasn't a legitimate buyout candidate just because of the way his deal was structured. Yeah, I, I think that was uh, that was last year. I think it's different as it goes further and further, um, you know, into the contract. But, you know, it's neither here nor there. Like I said, I'm just hoping that the NHL goes the amnesty buyout route, to be honest with you. I think – and I think they, I think that's something that they might actually consider, uh, and I'm hoping that they do. But that would certainly help the Islanders out. And like I said, for the off season, you know, moving a Nicoletti, maybe that, you know, maybe you could get an Andy Green back if you wanted to sign him to a one year deal, but he'd have to take a pay cut from his five million dollar cap hit. As far as I'm concerned, uh, these are the type of the, those are the you're going to have to make some tough decisions in the off season, honestly. And, you know, we might as well start thinking about them now. Yeah, especially with, you know, how things have been in the current environment now. But grumpy old man, um, there's nothing else really to talk. I can't think if there's there's anything else really to talk about at this time period. Um, is there anything else you kind of want to add in before we conclude the podcast? Uh, no, I just, uh, like I said, I'm looking for fresh information all the time and uh, I know the NHL is talking about, you know, potentially if they do get back to the playoffs, they were talking about a, uh, you know, maybe doing a winning percentage or points percentage uh, as opposed to end playing any more regular season games. 
And uh, if you're an Islander fan, you kind of have to like that because that means that you'd be in the eighth playoff spot. So that's something you consider also. I mean, I do, I do think we are going to wind up playing hockey. I don't know how much or what uh, what form it's going to take, but I do think that they're going to try to do something before uh, – they're not going to fully cancel this year. I, I do agree again. Um, obviously not having you know the fans in the stands are going to hurt the bottom line, but I think for the good of the, the, good of the sport, they are going to go ahead and try to make sure they do everything they can to, to have some sort of playoffs and a Stanley Cup champion – crowned in some capacity um, i saw ideas of how they would you know conduct next season and wow you could be in for a really rough ride with a lot of games within a short time period i saw even some people saying there might be no nhl all-star break next year a lot of crazy thoughts out there and you know if that's the case organizational depth is going to be an absolute need and a must for a lot of teams to address this offseason yeah and that hurts us <laughs> Honestly, that hurts us. We don't have a whole lot of organizational depth. Well, at least not in the forward category, that's for sure. Right. Defensively, we're fine. But uh, you're right. Scoring-wise, no. Mm-hmm. All we can hope for is increased uh, production from the greatest number 44 in New York sports history since Reggie Jackson. Yes, J.G. Pajot. Oh, goodness, Grumpy. Well, now that you got that free pop in at the end of the podcast, I guess we can call it complete. Grumpy, I want to thank you for being a part of the podcast as always. My pleasure. And we also want to thank the Hockey Podcast Network. Again, very grateful for them to allow us to go ahead and have this podcast on multiple different platforms. Whether you listen to your uh, podcast there on SoundCloud, Apple, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can find the Hockey Podcast Network's version of the Never Say Die podcast. And I think next week's podcast, Grumpy, it's going to be interesting for us to talk about, but we can talk about when hockey does resume, what we expect out of the Islanders. I think that would be an interesting topic to discuss. And I think, or maybe we'll bring on a guest next week and maybe then we can go ahead and talk about There's a lot of different things, Grumpy. I got my brain spinning. I have some ideas. Next week's podcast is going to be a good one. Just telling you, you better tune in, guys. Well, I'm all for bringing on a guest so I don't have to listen to TJ drone on endlessly about with nonsensical Thomas Hickey or Josh Bailey or Brock Nelson anecdotes. I didn't even mention those players once in this podcast. Again, we were we were featured on a different podcast earlier on in the day, and I mentioned those players, but not on this podcast. I didn't mention those players not at once. Well, you're right. You didn't mention them, but when I mentioned them, you shot me down immediately because I was speaking up speaking up against your little favorites, your average Anders, your Josh Bailey's, you know, those types of things. It just didn't make sense, Grumpy. It just didn't make sense in my brain. I was listening to it, and I'm like, these things don't make sense, Grumpy. And I realized that afterwards my my question was a little broad. I should ask you, what are the realistic candidates could you see the Islanders getting rid of in this amnesty buyout if there was no limit? I guess I should have been more specific, but uh, <laughs> well, if there was no limit, I'd get rid of most of the team. <laughs> That's what I said. I should have definitely made a little bit more of a narrow, concise statement because knowing the grumpy old man, he wants to axe everybody. Well, not everybody, but I could. I know there are guys I definitely would want to get rid of. Um, you know, those would be those would be the type of players I'd move. So, Cal okay. Clutterbuck is another one, right? I mean, he's another guy that diminishing returns who still has a number of years on the cap for him. And I'll tell you this much. 
at least listening to how Barry Trotz talks about Cal Clutterbuck, he doesn't want Cal gone anytime soon. Remember, when he was out injured, he was the biggest missing piece the Islanders ever had. So um, <laughs> I, don't think he's, what a I don't think he's a realistic candidate for that either, though. Yeah, I mean, he's got another two years after this one at, what, three and a half million, something like that. I mean, at 32 years old. Uh, you know, that, I mean, is that really smart ca- for a fourth liner? I just, you know, whatever. Is what it is, I guess. Grumpy, I want to thank you. I know we kind of went on a different topic after, you know, we kind of concluded things. But thank you again for being a part of the podcast. My pleasure as always. Oh, I, come on. I need a little bit of happiness out of you, grumpy old man. That's like, that seemed like a... Uh, my pleasure. Yeah, well, you know, you got me thinking about all these hacks that I want to get rid of off the roster now. I was trying yeah. to prevent that this podcast. It's supposed to be a happy podcast for you, Grumpy. Well, yeah, but you shot me down with all these guys, and I'm like, then I start lamenting the fact that it's not going to happen. <laughs> I just get a little down. Okay. <laughs> Oh, Grumpy. Well, thank you, and and thanks to the listeners, guys. But for real, goodbye, Grumpy. This is the last thank you. No problem.